will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the only podcast clinically proven to both cause and cure indigestion in rats. Strangely, it just makes weasels shit themselves. If you would like some chewy, not chalky advice to digest, you can write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or ask anonymously at hauntedphonograph.com, our little podcast home. There's a box on the right of the website. It's terribly twee. Less twee is the dilemma of this week's questioner. More twee, however, are compliment of fixers. I am Roger Hart, the god of semaphore. Joining me today, Mr. H.J. Doom, the inventor of the cosmetic appendix. Mr. Dave Condry, an inventor also. The inventor of fingerprints. Fingerprints, the grease that knows who you are and what you did. Hi. And as a special treat tonight, Clary Maguire is coming. And everybody's jumping. New York through San Francisco. An interstate free disco. The wheels of steel are turning and traffic lights are burning. So if you like to party, get on and move your body. (laughs) Yes. Let us hop aboard the advice bus with today's question. I live in a shared house and my housemates have decided that I'm the messy one. In the past, I rolled with it, but I've come to realize it was never really true. And even though it's only ever been mend affectionately, it started to grate on me. We're all about as messy or tidy as each other. How do I rebrand? The thing about housemates is that they're often either people who don't initially know each other very well, or they're people who stuck around long after that was true in the first place. Like, I lived with some uni friends for about eight years, for example. In each case, just like your messy one situation, people start with simplifications and, and, and heuristics to like better and more quickly get to know each other. It makes sense, right? Like, who would want to take the time to grasp the depths and intricacies of another human's character when they could parse a couple of labels and decide they don't want to deal with, say, the party animal? And you know what? So what if Steve just turned up in that Hawaiian shirt that one time and is actually a teetotal Mormon with a speech impediment? Fuck Steve, no one likes the party animal. So, you know, good news. In researching this, I've read eight or nine fatuous, blithering, 12 types of housemate you'll live with at some point articles so that you don't have to. And basically, they're all a set of shit Jungian archetypes for our age. These things are all over BuzzFeed, there's even one in The Independent. These are the housemates, you're such and such, and they come out round about August, September, when people are going to university. It's just such an easy content mill piece of crap. And they come out again and again and again, because they service archetypes. And the archetypes do map reasonably well to some of the Jungian ones. So you've got the sort of, one of the things you see quite often is the house mother, the person who looks after everyone. You know, Jung's mother archetype. Um, There's a maiden and a crone too, if you squint, like you quite often see this frequently rather ickily gendered kind of goody-choose, two-shoes woman described in these these articles. 
or less gendered kind of male or female crone, the kind of cranky, prematurely old person. Trickster appears quite a lot. Trickster is a very popular archetype. Um, sometimes there's a, a practical joker. All in all, plus a change, right? You know, there are archetypes. There are some you don't see in Jung. That's fine. Like he didn't have a fridge to leave notes on. In any case, he wouldn't know how to fucking use it. Um, he also didn't have a list of definitive archetypes. Uh, partly, let's let's be honest here, because the collective unconscious is a crock of shit. But also because he cut himself this conceptual blank check with the idea that. They were a kind of shifting combinatorial mess that arose from the culture. If it's a repeated facet of the syncretic myths of your society, say like the joke about the dog in the suitcase or goatsy guy, then it's a valid Jungian archetype. It's about recurring patterns that like instantiating in, in myth and repeatedly appeal to your culture. Uh, and that's great. So it, it's an inferred system. If, it, if, it's, if it's played back to you often enough by the culture, it, it's, it's diagnostically an archetype. Which, which is brilliant because we can build you one to supplant the one you inhabit. The messy one is a really, really common housemate archetype. It's, it's there. And so, like all stupid fucking Halloween costume identities, you can just go and get another one off the shelf. Now, personally, I would go straight to 11. I, I would stick hello.jpg on the door of your room and just drop references to surprising elasticity into the conversation. But, you know, you, you might be more cautious. Passive-aggressive note sticker is probably the easiest to inhabit. A post-it here, a scrawled reminder there. It's, it's a really established pattern with a really easy praxis. Of course, it will also make you one of the worst humans alive, but if you want your housemates to still like you, you can always go surreal. This milk was promised to the thing between the moments, or Gary, we can all hear you wanking, you know, in a house where there is precisely nobody called Gary. Other things that swirl around the culture that you may wish to try on as an archetypal mantle. Uh, the Zodiac Killer. Um, one of the non-existent Satanists from the 1980s Satanist Panic. An absolute unit. The Babadook. The Dread Gazebo. Or, or, or my personal favourite, a lefty suppressing campus free speech. Um, completely mythical, tremendously culturally compelling, people won't shut up about it. It's got that kind of really kind of liminal quality to it that makes it a, a good mythic archetype. Uh, pick one of these entities, um, something that really exerts pressure on the common psyche, and just work into your day-to-day -day doings. So leave some weird sigils around if you're going for the Satan thing, or if, if you're playing to my favourite. Just, just keep shout, shouting, disagreeing with me is violence! Um, and, you know, eventually they'll, they'll soon forget that you left that towel out that one time two years ago. H.J. Doom. I think myself and Roger are coming from almost identical premises, although in my case, minus talking about Jungian archetypes. Um, but I think we've taken the, the same solution to potentially some slightly different places. Um, I think I would take issue with the idea that it, it's easy to, to shift a moniker. I think it's very tricky to shift a moniker, even a great many years after they've ceased to be relevant. I'm sure all of us know a, a, a guy who's known as Lazy Dave, who took up running 10 years ago and now looks like a Hollywood action hero, a drunk Susan who long ago graduated onto crack cocaine, a tall Annika who lost both her legs in a gruesome threshing accident. Um, it's going to be a struggle to get rid of this messy one appellation that they've saddled you with. And like Roger, I, I'm going to counsel that you go big. Um, I'm going to suggest you take inspiration from the movies for your new persona. Um, if you've seen Goodfellas or Train Spotting, you'll be aware that the most memorable characters from those films are Tommy the dangerously unhinged mobster, and Begbie, 
the dangerously unhinged man from Scotland. By modelling your behaviour on Tommy and Begbie, perhaps with a, a little bit of Sir Ben Kingsley from Sexy Beast uh, thrown in for good measure, I reckon you'll quickly gain a reputation for being a dangerously unstable person, which will rapidly supplant your fictitious reputation for slovenliness. You will become, in essence, the psycho. Reality being what it is, you will want to stop short of shooting people in the foot for no reason or attacking them with a pool cue. But you can certainly make people deeply nervous and uncomfortable around you without crossing the line into outright criminality. Firstly, we need to talk about language. You're going to need to swear a lot more than you currently do. Even if you already talk like a drunk docker in a brothel, you're going to have to ratchet up the profanity considerably. Remember that the word fuck can and should be used as every part of speech. With a little practice, you can get cunt to almost the same level. Or the same cunting level, if you will. Um, you're going to want to chuck in some extreme mood swings. Uh, I suggest that while you're playing a game of whist at a dinner party, try being as nice as pie for a little while, and then, triggered by some innocuous comment, throw the table over, chuck your wine glass at the wall, and start screaming something incoherent about cheating and rigged decks. Um, if you're struggling to summon up the requisite anger, a technique that always works for me is remembering that David Cameron organised a massively divisive and damaging referendum and then cheerfully fucked off when the result didn't go his way, leaving everyone else to pick up the pieces. Um, failing that, just literally imagining Michael Gove uh, will, will get you over the line. On top of that, you need to uh, start offering random and unsolicited views on current affairs that are vindictive beyond all good sense, saying Joyrider should be burnt alive, or that Michael Bublé should be castrated and then shot out of a cannon. Disappear from the house at random, come back with torn and slightly bloodstained clothes. Suddenly treat everyone to a champagne breakfast and then kick off when they don't want to eat lobster and start drinking at 8am on a workday. Oh, a good trick is order a pizza on the internet and then pretend that you're going to make a call to order the pizza. Start screaming abuse into the phone and demand that they provide a topping that no basic pizza emporium would actually have, like truffle or foie gras. When the pizza arrives, and this is the clever bit, secretly shave some black truffle onto it to make it seem like you've somehow got them to acquiesce to your demented demands through sheer force of insanity. If all of that fails, then the only thing I can really suggest is developing an actual coke habit and then periodically trying to kick it. This will give you all the genuine instability you could ask for. Um, remember not to go too far, though. You're trying to become known as the memorable psycho, not the less memorable coke fiend. You might also have what we call in the trade qualms, or concerns, uh, that's a professional fixing term, about the effect of your behaviour on your housemates. Don't worry, it'll be fine. They're going to be dining out on the anecdote about your unpredictable behaviour for years to come. You're actually going to be making them sound like much more interesting people. Dave Convery. I, uh, I sympathise a lot with this question because I've lived in a lot of share houses. You would not believe the number of times that I have been cast as the one who digs a lot of holes at night. Really just, it really gets on my tits. So I've got some good news for you and I've got some bad news. If you are, as you say, genuinely no messier than they are, um, then not only are they lying, but they have bought into their own lies. And 
there's a term for someone who genuinely believes their own lies. That is a pathological liar. So you are surrounded by pathological liars. That That is the bad news. But now that we've diagnosed them, we can go to town on fixing them. So this is the good news. We know what we're dealing with here. Uh, and, and since, as you tell us, they are pathological liars, they're borderline sociopaths anyway, and we only have to be so careful about their feelings uh, or that, that sort of thing. So the next time someone gently, affectionately, as you say, I don't believe it because, you know, you've described pathological liars. The next time someone gently and affectionately charges you for being messy, why not get right up in their face and scream, why the fuck would you lie to me, you fucking liar? Right in their lying face. And while you're at it, why not do it every other time they do it too? If you keep doing that, I have a feeling that the whole thing will resolve itself one way or another. Right up in their grill. Yes, right up there. In the grill. The grill, yes. Motherfucker. Clary. <laughs> now, in your letter, you imply that one of the reasons the label grates is that you've come to realise that you were never the messy one. However, uh, historically human have always shown a shown an at best wobbly ability to make an accurate assessment of their own behavior so my thesis here is what if you're wrong but clary your phones and cigarette butts fall from your shaking head Ants running up and down the cord of your headphones to fetch bits of boiled sweets for their nest. But Clary, what if you're wrong? In the letter, you say you're all as messy or tidy as each other. But what, pos- but what possible kind of perspective can you and little Edie have wandering around the place knee-deep in catnip and shoju? But, look. Nobody likes to accept that they have a problem. And I'm not going to pretend that life is easy for you. Flat shares are difficult enough, even for people who aren't a pile of pizza boxes and used tissues that have assumed the memories and personality of the person who died underneath them in a tragic collapse incident and continued to live their life believing that they are that person. Anyway, rebranding, I don't know, start wearing hats. People like hats. (laughs) That was certainly a fix. Yes. Put on a hat. Assume an archetype. Become a psychopath. Maybe yell, you fucking liar, up in the fucking grill. Up in the grill, yes. In the grill. The grill. The motherfucking grill. The motherfucking grill. Yes. Solid advice. Up in the grill. And we will leave you with that. Grills, business, whatever you're going to get up in. We leave you to get right up in it. Ta-ta.
Christ. 